Hey, Driven Mofos, welcome back to part number two of this three-part series on how to get clear with your purpose. We're talking all things purpose, values, and why it's so important in your own life, especially if you want to succeed, excel, and feel fulfilled. So anyway, keep enjoying this episode. Also, if you haven't hit that follow or subscribe button, please make sure you do so. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips tools and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Number two is the reason why people don't get clear with their purpose is because they keep trying to live up to the expectations of others. And what you'll find is when you're living up or trying to live up to the expectations of others, you have self-depreciation. You will self-sabotage. You will self-destruct. You'll procrastinate. So these are just some of the key signs of someone trying to live up to someone else's expectations, which essentially is living in the implanted values of others in order to fit in as a survival response. And that's what's going on. So someone will go, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym this week. I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to do five days a week. I'm going to, you know, set everything up. Now, if we take that mother again, she is going to set herself up to fail because what's going to happen is I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to look after my health. I'm going to clean up my diet. So now she's created a fantasy and a delusion around what a good habit looks like. So she's over-assumed that she's going to be able to do something based on having a lower priority of going to the gym. Her higher priority is family. So if we look at the prioritization of her life and her brain, her brain is going, my family is the most important thing, yet right now I'm prioritizing going to the gym and exercising and being healthy over my family. Now what will happen is this mother will book in the gym in her calendar. She'll set up her week. She'll get her exercise gear out. She'll go to the gym. She'll clean out the fridge, throw away all the shitty food in there. She'll go, you know what? This week's the week. I'm going to start my diet. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to lose all this weight. Right. I'm so motivated. Now this is the reason why motivation doesn't work in most cases because motivation is external. So now what's going on is she's not inspired she is motivated. When you're inspired, she's inspired to look after her family. She's motivated to go to the gym. So she has this external driver based on the opinions of others and trying to fit in and trying to be accepted. And so now she's jammed up this lower value of going to the gym above her family. So day one comes, she gets up, she goes to the gym, she exercises. Day two, she does the same thing. Day three, one of her kids is sick. In her mind, she sits there and goes, shit, I've really committed to going to the gym, but family are important and the kids need me but I really need to go to the gym, but I really need to look after my family. My family is the most important thing to me, but you've committed to going to the gym. This is the languaging going on in her head that morning. Then what happens is she's setting herself up because now she's going to self-depreciate. So she goes, shit, if I go to the gym, I'm not being a good mum. So therefore, if I'm a bad mum, I'm a failure, you know, I'm just a horrible person, you know, what sort of mum can't look after their kids? And so she'll start using this type of languaging inside of her own head which is her own internal dialogue. Then if she goes to the gym, she's going to feel like a bad mum. But if she doesn't go to the gym, she's going to feel like she's disappointed herself and let herself down because she's committed to this new goal, which is a lower value, a lower priority. And also when you look at her life purpose, her life purpose may be to be the best mum that she can be and provide a nourishing environment for her family. So now she's in a predicament and now she's got this self-talk going on, which is self-defeating. Now I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this has gone through this almost every day, if not 10, 20, 100 times a day. 
And this is why it's so important. And this is why I believe that Thrive Time is the greatest thing that most people will ever do in their life if they can come to that event. Because when you start to understand yourself, you don't have these self-depreciating thoughts as much. You really start to reduce them a lot because you deal with these inner conflicts. Now, if that mother understood her purpose and understood her highest values, she would go, you know what, my family's my higher value. My purpose is to provide the most nourishing environment. So right now, the best decision is to look after my family. Job done. But because she's unclear on her purpose and doesn't understand how her values work effectively, and there are so many personal development courses, there's so much stuff online talking about values, but most of them don't help people to get them right. In fact, most of them cause more confusion with people. So anyway, this mother now decides to look after her kids, which is serving her purpose and her higher value, which is exactly what her life demonstrates. Yet, in order to fit in and in order to have safety and security within her own life, she feels like she should have gone to the gym because she's afraid of getting judged and criticized by the tribe in inverted commas, which is her friendship circle, her peer group, the people who follow her on Facebook that she doesn't even know. Or when she goes out in public and someone looks at her a bit different, she goes, shit, they're judging me. I don't fit in. Therefore, my survival response kicks in and she gets stressed out or she feels this survival response or you know adrenaline kicks up. And it has a similar response hormonally to survival. So she goes into the flight, fight, or freeze response. So anyway, this mother looks after her kids, but then at nighttime, she sits there and she's watching TV and she goes, you worthless piece of shit. You didn't go to the gym today. You gave up on that. This is another thing that you've given up on. You always give up on things. And then she says things to herself like, you know what? Maybe I'm just not dedicated. Like I just can't commit to things. I always give up on everything. I start something, then I just can't follow through on it. And now here we go, there's more self-depreciating, more beating herself up. And so it lowers her self-worth, it lowers her self-love, it lowers her self-respect, it lowers her ability to commit again. Because next time she goes to commit to something, she goes, you know, I always commit to things, but I always give up on them as well. Maybe I just shouldn't do anything. Like maybe I shouldn't push hard or maybe I shouldn't work hard. Maybe I shouldn't do things. Now I hear this every week when I'm on the phone with people. Someone says, Michael, I'd love to have a call with you. I want to grow my business. I want to have a better life or whatever. And I get on the phone with them and I try to get them to come along to one of our events because I know that that's going to help them to succeed and help them to excel. Yet they sit there and they're indecisive and they have this indecision. The indecision isn't that they don't know what to do. They know exactly what to do. They just can't make a decision because they have all this self-depreciation and they don't back themselves because they keep making decisions based on the lack of clarity they have around their values and their life purpose, which keeps them stuck in this thing of like, you know what, I know I should do it, but you know, at the same time, it costs money and it's going to take time. And what's my mum going to say? And what's my dad going to say? And what's my friendship circle going to say? And again, the survival response kicks in. And then they get off the phone and they're going, shit, I know I should do it. But at the same time, you know, I don't follow through and I've got work as well. And so their mind is just chaos. Now, if you're sitting there going, shit, this sounds like me, like my mind is consistently in chaos. I have all this self-talk, like my brain just chatters all the time. That's again, because you are unclear on your life purpose. You're unclear on your highest values. You don't know how to prioritize your life. You don't know how to prioritize what is important versus what's not important. So you set yourself up for self-sabotage. You set yourself up to self-destruct. You set yourself up to procrastinate. And then over time, you self-depreciate. If you keep trying to live up to the expectations of others, you'll beat yourself up. And so one of the fastest ways to figure out if someone is clear with their purpose and values, and a lot of the time, because I've coached tens of thousands of people over the years, I know most people better than most people know themselves. I can talk to someone for five minutes and tell you almost more about their life than what they can tell you. Now, they can tell you the story about their life, but I can tell you about their operating system and what's going on. 
So when someone says, I want to do this in life, yet my life doesn't demonstrate it, I can already tell you that they're unclear on their purpose. When they say, I want to get my health on track, yet at the same time, their life doesn't demonstrate that they want to get their health on track, I can tell you that they're already unclear with their purpose and they're unclear with their values. When someone says, you know, Michael, I keep self-depreciating, I keep self-defeating, I self-sabotage a lot, I procrastinate a lot, I can tell you. They are living with the implanted values of others, trying to fit into the tribe, they are self-depreciating a lot. They beat themselves up. They have a chaotic mindset. They have a lot of internal chatter, a lot of internal dialogue. And sometimes that will go so far as to have a shutdown response. So sometimes I'll work with people and they'll say things like, you know what, Michael, I can't answer any of these questions. So I'll say to them, you know, what's important to you in life? And they're like, oh, you know, I just don't know. It's not that they don't know. It's just that now they have, if we go back to the survival response, fight, which that could come across as aggression, it could come across as arguing. It could come across as, you know, raising their voice or getting frustrated or things like that. That could be a fight response. A flight response will be to run away. So a lot of people will run away from things. Like there are people now who listen to this and go, you know what, I need to do something. Like I need to do something and I need to change this. Yet in their brain, they're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to run away from this. And so they'll run away from it. You know, that happens consistently. Again, I talk to someone over the phone. They know they need to change. And then I never hear from them again. Why? because it triggered their survival response and they know that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a little bit challenging to break down some of these barriers and these walls internally. And so they run away from it. It's a natural survival response. You know, and I see this all the time. And the funniest thing is normally it's the people who exert the most strength on the outside. I've had friends of mine who have been some of the toughest, hardest people, you know, that you'll come across. Steroids, huge, muscular, tattoos all up their neck, rough looking, you know, don't give a fuck about anything. You know, I'm tough, I'm strong, I'll fucking fight anybody. But again, that's a dead giveaway to the fight response. They're living in survival mode, okay? And they're really afraid of what other people think. They're afraid of not being loved. They have all these fears that control their whole life. And then I'll say to those friends, they'll say, you know, I'm not getting the results that I want. I keep fucking up my relationships. I'm not getting ahead financially. They'll go through all of these cycles, right? And I'll say to them, come and do one of my events. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, nah. And then I don't hear from them for three months. Why? Because if they can't fight it, they'll run away from it. And a lot of people spend their life running away from things because they're afraid and it triggers a survival response. The last thing is it causes shutdown. When I'm working with someone, and this is more what happens when I'm working with someone at an event or in a coaching experience, and it's not their fault, it's just a natural response. When they don't know something, so I'll say to them, you know, what does your life demonstrate? What would you love to do? And they go, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I would love to know, but Michael, I just don't know. Like, my brain just shuts off. It just shuts down. Like, I can't think. That's the freeze response. And so what I have to do is I work with them and just slowly ask them questions and nurture them a little bit. And then bang, all of a sudden their brain opens up. If you show them that they're safe to express that, then all of a sudden now the information comes out. So they get clear with their values and they can find their purpose. And then they start getting on track and they start achieving more. And this might be a six month to 12 month experience. Like, you know, I don't think anyone can go to a four day event or a seven day event and all of a sudden their whole life changes. It will make a massive impact, but it makes more of an impact from what they learn and what they learn about themselves that then they can use afterwards. And so the more someone tunes their brain into learning something, the more they can consistently grow. So I know I can read books. I've read books three years ago that I didn't even know that I know the information until I'm put in a situation where I need to know it and then bang, my brain kicks in and I can use that information. That's how our brain works. My point is that a lot of people know their purpose, 
They know what it is. It's just when you ask them, their brain goes into shutdown mode because it triggers a survival response again and they freeze. Their brain just freezes and that's completely normal. You just need a coach or someone around you to be able to help you. And this is what I do at our events. I walk around and help people. And you just slowly unlock that. And once you can unlock it and someone feels like, oh shit, actually this isn't bad. Then all of a sudden, all this information comes out and what you find is that their success rate goes through the roof because now they've got the information that they need to excel. But you need to also give them the environment to thrive. Like when I was younger, I used to go to a lot of personal development events where I would jump around and high five people and get all hyped up. But what I also found was that I didn't really like it. And I didn't really like it because I felt like a fucking dickhead. Like I'd go to events with 10,000 people and there are people jumping around, hugging each other, fucking crying and all this shit. And I'm going, I feel weird. Like I don't want to be here. But at the same time, like I love the knowledge and I need the knowledge, but I just don't want to fake it. Like I don't want to fake this hyperactivity and this, whoa, I'm going to take over the world. And wow, I'm so powerful because that's not really how I felt on the inside. It was almost, I was faking it until I made it. And if you've heard other podcasts, I don't really like faking it till you make it because you know that you're a fake. And so a lot of the time I was faking it until I was trying to make it, but I never made it because I was always trying to fake it. And you can't make something when you're a fake, you will eventually self-destruct. And so I kept self-destructing. So anyway, what I found was that when I created our personal development and personal growth events and business growth events and lifestyle growth events, when I created these events, I wanted to make them a place where anyone could come and feel normal. And that's just because I don't want to trigger off that safety response or the fear response. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. So one of the most common conversations that I get in is these guys that are tradies or that are blokey blokes or even these women that are strong and they lack confidence and things like that, which most people do. They would say things like, you know, do I have to share all this information? You know, do I need to share a lot of this stuff with others? And I'm like, no, you don't need to talk to anyone at our events. You don't need to talk to anyone. You don't need to hug anyone. You don't need to high five anyone. In fact, you can sit there by yourself and do the work by yourself the whole time. And the reason why I do that is because it's up to you how you want to do this. This is about your growth, not about me telling you what you should do. And so what I find straight away is they're like, oh, okay, cool. And so what it does is it makes them feel safe. The reason why they need to feel safe is because in order to get this information into their brain, which is already sitting there, they just keep shutting it down so they don't get the information that they need in order to grow and excel mentally and emotionally, and our mindset filters our whole world. So if we're not getting the results that we want, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's a mindset problem. And most people don't realize this. Like, you know what? I need to go do all this other shit. Like most people in business who don't succeed or who aren't doing well, don't go, I have a mindset problem. They go, you know what? It's a customer problem and it's, I need better marketing and I need better sales and all my staff is shit and blah, blah. And they'll make up all these excuses when the truth is it's a leadership problem and it's their mindset. Because if you knew what to do, you'd be doing it. And if you knew how to lead things, you would lead them. If you knew how to communicate effectively, you'd communicate effectively. But the truth is you don't. There's a block. And so 99% of the time, it is a mindset problem of the person who is in charge or the way that they deal with the people around them. Now, if their managers are a problem, that's a leadership problem. If their marketing's a problem, that's a leadership problem. And so it all comes down to the mindset of the person who's in charge. I hope this is making sense so far. Now, I spoke a little bit before about fantasies. And what will happen is normally when someone's life is a nightmare or they're consistently getting challenged or there's consistent high-level distress. Now, there's a difference between you stress and distress. You stress is good stress. So when you exercise enough, that's good stress. When you eat good quality food, you create enough good stress that in your body that allows your immune system to be strong and stay strong and all these types of things. So we're creating new stress. There's beneficial stress and there's not so beneficial stress and it's a fine line. So when someone is mentally stressed and they're burning out and they feel overwhelmed 
and they're in shutdown or they're aggressive all the time or they're angry or their emotions rule their life and rule their decisions, when their life is normally like that, what they're externally presenting is a nightmare. Okay, so their life's starting to become a bit of a nightmare. Now, what you'll find is internally, they have fantasies. So they're trying to live up to unrealistic expectations based on fantasies or delusions that they have. So if someone says, you know what, Michael, my life shouldn't be so hard. And I go, okay, so you perceive that life is tough. And they go, yes, that's the external nightmare. Then I'll say to them, so how should life be? And they go, well, you know what? Things should be easy. I should have enough money in the bank. I should be healthy and fit. You know, my kids should be happy. What they're really telling me now is their fantasies, their internal delusions. Now, until those two things match, they're going to have a lot of stress in their life. Now, the reason why they have a lot of stress in their life and a lot of pressure in their life is a nightmare. And the reason why they have fantasies is normally because they're unclear on their purpose and they're unclear on their values. So normally when I'm talking to someone and when I'm coaching somebody, normally what their life demonstrates externally will be a counterbalance to what's going on internally. So when someone is out of balance internally, they'll have imbalances externally. Now, we all have these, right? So there is no perfect, perfect human being on the planet. We all go through stages where there is a lot of challenge externally. A lot of those challenges externally have been set up from past fantasies that we've had. If we think that money will always come into business, you will overspend. Now, the fantasy and the delusion is that money will always come or money will come easy or I can always make enough money. And then one day when you don't, that then creates a nightmare. So you've got an internal fantasy about money being easy and money always coming in, in the business or in your life. So then you overspend and when you overspend and overcapitalize, eventually you get hit with a nightmare. That nightmare is an external projection of something that's going on internally or has gone on internally in the past that you've got to clean up. Why do these happen? Out of balance value systems and unclear purpose. So the more unclear you are around your purpose, in most cases, you'll normally have external nightmares and a lot of challenges and you'll keep chasing fantasies and delusions. E.g., you know, when I hear people talk about financial freedom all the time, that's a fantasy. There is no such thing as financial freedom. The more money you make, the more risk you have, the more responsibilities you have, the more you have to manage it, the more people want to get at it. There's a whole bunch of problems that open up that the majority of people will never understand. And that's just because they fantasize about money. Some people fantasize about health and fitness. They see someone with a six pack or a beautiful body and they go, oh, I'd love to have that, you know, to be so good. Because in their head, they have this delusion that when I look this way, people will accept me, I'll be able to love myself. But what they don't realize is in order to get there, there are all these challenges. You have to consistently monitor your food. So that also creates a whole bunch of stress. Also, the fitter you get, the more that there is to work on. You know, if you talk to any bodybuilder, there's always a problem. There's always something to work on. So that feeling never really goes away. And that's why only a certain type of people can get on a stage, a bodybuilding stage, and actually do well, especially long-term. Why? Because it needs a lot of hard work, effort, energy. And so people who love that understand that there are challenges both internally and externally that happen. So they sort of balance out their nightmares and their fantasies. Whereas the average person sits there and goes, wow, if I had a better body, life would be great. But they don't realize how hard it is, the stress. They have to tell friends and family that they can't go out for dinner and all this sort of shit. Like it creates an absolute nightmare within their own life based on those decisions. If you talk to someone who loves doing that, they don't even notice it. They're just like, yeah, no, nah, that's just what I need to do in order to achieve the goal. They're a lot more balanced about it. When someone doesn't love it, like I personally years ago got told, you know, you should do bodybuilding. You've got the body shape for it. You know, you bulk up really, really quickly. You should get into bodybuilding. My first perception of that was what a fucking nightmare. I've got to monitor my food. I love eating. I love going out. I love hanging out with friends. I love like having honey in my coffee. I normally drink a long bike with honey. So why would I want to do a sport where I have to restrict my food? 
I have to restrict going out. I have to restrict hanging out with friends. If I do that, I'm going to self-destruct and melt down mentally and emotionally because I know how hard it is to do it. And I'm not committed to that, right? Now, that is because I understand the nightmare and the fantasy. To me, bodybuilding and having a body like that, I don't fantasize about because I know how hard it is. So I understand them both. Whereas someone who doesn't will go, oh, wow, I can't wait to do this. This is going to be excellent. I just want the amazing body. I want to look beautiful. You know, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to get on stage. And then two weeks in, they're like, I fucking hate this. The diet sucks. You know, I've been binge eating all the time. I've blown out my diet. This sucks. I hate myself mentally. Like, you know, this is shit. I can't even focus at work. I've got relationship problems because I'm snapping at my partner. This is because there is an imbalance between the nightmare and the fantasy. They're essentially driven by a fantasy and it's creating external nightmares. Why? Why would someone commit to doing bodybuilding or something like that when it's not really important to them and so now they're getting expression of nightmares? Why? Because they're unclear on their purpose. They don't actually know what they want in life. When you know what you want in life, you realize that shit like that isn't important if it's not important. Whereas I have some friends of mine. In fact, I worked with Matt Smedley, who was Mr. World Bodybuilding Champion in NABBA. So he was the NABBA Mr. World Bodybuilding Champ, I think in Division One, And then I think he took out second overall by a point. Now for him, he loved it. He loved the sport. He didn't care about the diet. That's what he did. He didn't complain about it. Very rarely did I hear him complain about it. He just enjoyed it. Whereas when I would speak to him about it, there's no way I could do that sport. No way. I could, if I was prepared to sacrifice the things that are important to me in life and essentially live like shit and feel like shit, I could do that sport, but I wouldn't because it's not my purpose. My purpose is to help people to lead an extraordinary life. That's what I want is everyone who's listening to this now, I want you to live an extraordinary life, which is exactly why I teach mindset hacking or mindset optimization, because I believe that if you want to excel in life, you have to understand how your mind works and you have to have tools to consistently work on it, right? If you want to have a high performance car, and you don't know how it works, eventually it's gonna break and you're gonna to have to take it to a mechanic. Most people spend their life trying to fix something that they have no idea how it works. And so they just consistently go to mechanics to try to go fix my fucking head. Now, most of our health industry, mental health industry don't know how to fix it. So they just go, fuck here, take a drug or spend the next 20 years talking about the same fucking problem over and over and over again, because it'll make you feel better. It doesn't, it makes you feel better when you talk about it. But it doesn't make you feel better about life. You'll just go back to doing the same shit you've always done. So that's why I talk about mindset optimization. Also, I want lifestyle optimization and why I teach it. Why? Because I think that if you get the right mindset and you understand what you want in life, then you can create the life that you want because now you've got the mindset to empower you to go get it. And then also why I teach business optimization and business hacking because it's a high value of mine and I'm consistently learning and I also get to work with some really high level business people where I learn a lot about business that most people never get access to. And so I bring them in in our business growth odyssey events. And what I do is using my values, I teach what I love. I teach what I enjoy. Now, a lot of people say to me, Michael, you work too much. To me, I don't work too much. This is what I love. So for me, I don't even see it as a challenge. Just like Matt, he doesn't consider the diet a challenge. He doesn't consider training for two hours a day a challenge. He doesn't consider the rehab a challenge. He doesn't consider not going out as a challenge. Why? Because it's what he loves. It's based on his purpose and it's based on his values. I don't consider working 80 to 100 hours a week a challenge. For me, it's just what I do. It's just what I love to do. And some people sit there and go, man, I don't know how you can do it. Like you need more lifestyle balance. You know, you need to get out more and you need to go experience things and you need to do all this stuff. What they're doing is they're essentially projecting their values onto me and they're projecting their life purpose onto me and they're expecting me to adapt to what they perceive as important in life, which isn't important to me. 
And I learned this years ago because my mum used to do it. My mum's highest value is family. And so she would always say to me, family's important. You've got to spend time with family. You know, family always looks after each other. And so if I was working a lot, she would say things like, you know, you never hang out with us. You don't care about us. And she would use guilt as a way of trying to pull me back into her values. And families do this all the time. Now, when I would do that, I would go to family functions and I would sit there and I would listen to everybody else talk and they're all having fun. And I'm sitting there like, I'd rather be working. And then in my head, I'm thinking about business. I'm thinking about business and I'm thinking about human behavior and I'm thinking about clients. My mum would come up to me and family would come up to me and they're like, is everything okay? And I go, yeah, everything's fine. And they're like, well, you just seem distracted. You seem like you're not present, like you don't want to be here. Don't you care about us? Don't you care about this? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just sitting here. Like I'm doing exactly what you wanted me to do, which is be here. And at the same time, I'm feeling guilty for being here because I'd rather be working. But now I'm getting grilled because it's like I'm getting told that I'm not present. Like, what do you want from me? And what I realized was that I was only there because I felt guilty. And guilt is a byproduct of having unclear values and an unclear purpose. So then what I did was once I realized this and got clear with my purpose and got clear with my values many, many years ago, many, many years ago, I sat my mum down. And I said to her, what do you want from me in life? And she said, Michael, I want the one thing that I've always wanted. I want you to be happy. And I said, what do you think makes me happy? And she said, well, I know you're teaching and you're working. I know that's the thing that you love. And I said, cool. And the gym and so on. And I said, so can you see that when I'm not doing that, that's the thing that makes me unhappy. And she said, I guess. And I said, can you see that I am doing what I love? And she said, oh, yeah, I guess. And she started to cry. And she said, Michael, all I've ever wanted for you is to be happy. And I said, can you see that I am? Whereas prior to that conversation, she thought that me working made me miserable. She thought that me working all the time made me unhappy and unfulfilled. And she thought that based on her own projection of her values, that me being around family would be the thing that makes me happy and the thing that makes me fulfilled. Now it does, but it does for a short period of time. Like I had about a 10 minute conversation with my mum yesterday just over the phone and I'm catching up with them for dinner this week, but I haven't seen them for a month. Last time I caught up with them was a month ago and I ring mum and dad every week. They're still together, you know, they're married and so on. Normally I can have a one minute conversation with my dad and I have about a 10 to 15 minute conversation with my mum and I'm fine. That's it. That's all I need every week. That's it and I'm done and I feel great. If I were to spend five hours with them every week, I would be completely disengaged. I wouldn't want to be there. I'd be thinking about work. I'd be thinking about business. I would get frustrated easy. I would start shutting down mentally and emotionally because it's not part of my purpose and it's not part of my values. Family is in my values, right? They're important, but they're not my highest values. So I would prefer to prioritize in most cases work over family. Now I perceive a lot of my clients, family. I know I spend a lot of time with Jess, family. So I still have family. I still feel the feeling of family. It's just different than what my mum perceives it as. Now, it's different for everyone. Some people can go to the gym for five hours a day. Some people can only spend one hour a week at the gym before they start getting frustrated and start feeling like shit and start feeling like they're sabotaging other areas of life. This is because their values are dictating what is important to them and their values create clarity around their purpose. So the reason why I'm giving you so many different examples is that if you're listening to this right now and you've been trying to figure out your purpose, I've given you like 20 different examples of how you can start to figure it out. Driven mofos, I hope you're enjoying part number two of this three-part series. Make sure to listen tomorrow to part number three. If you haven't already done so as well, please remember to rate and review this podcast and also share it with one friend this week, one friend, one family member. If you believe that this podcast will help somebody else as well, I really do appreciate all of you out there who are sharing it with your friends and family. The numbers keep going up. I want to keep pushing up into the top 10 if we can. As a community, I want to get this 
into the top 10 podcasts on self-help or self-growth. So please keep sharing it around and let's keep cranking this out. Anyway, remember to rate and review this podcast if you haven't already done so and share it with one friend this week. Anyway, take care, Driven Mofos, and I look forward to seeing you back on here once again for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur and part number three of this three-part series. (music) 